the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And, and uh, by the way, did you see or hear just now in the news that the uh, CPAC conference, 70% of the people overwhelmingly voted for Trump in the straw poll as, as the presidential candidate. Of course, this is the ultra-conservative uh, part of the uh, of the Republican Party, so you wouldn't expect any less. But I think he's still leading in, in polls uh, with Republicans in general. So... Uh, he may come back. <laughs> you know, he may be back. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I was reading something and I pointed out something I hadn't considered before. If he does run and if he does win, he's a lame duck the minute he takes office because he can only serve one term. That's right. You get you get two terms or ten years, whichever comes first. Yeah. So, so he's already had his first. And, so. But he'll he'll also be only the second president to have two non consecutive terms. Grover Cleveland uh, had two non-consecutive terms. So uh, it'll be historical. I mean, uh, he's historical anyway, but, you know, it'll be even more historical. But I'm afraid to say anything to anybody about Trump. I mean, you know, there's even Republicans uh, that are moderates. They don't like him. You know, they just do not like him. But I don't care. I don't care whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. All I care about is is getting things done. That's what I <laughs> get it done, baby. At any rate, so the CPAC. This goes back to 1973. Did you know that this uh, this uh, uh, what's it called? It's the Conservative Political Action Conference, and they held it this year in uh, I believe Dallas. But this started in '73, and that's where Ronald Reagan made his bones. He gave a speech. At, his shining city upon a hill that started back in the early 70s when he was invited to speak there. And uh, Donald Trump got his start there, too. He was invited to speak in 2010, which launched his uh, political career. So it's uh, it's really a fascinating phenomena, and the number of attendees over the past 10 years is, has gone from less than 1,000 to uh, over 10,000 now, Ken. So it's a growing concern. Uh, fascinating, fascinating. Who would have thunk it, huh? <laughs> it's true. But uh, seventy, like you said, 70% of uh, ultra-conservatives is good. Y- yeah. But there are other guys out there who are thinking about running, obviously. It sounds like it anyway. Yeah, DeSantis uh, obviously has, has a shot at it if Trump doesn't want it. And uh, I think that he should run anyway just to... Even if Trump runs, he should run just to get his face out there and, and polish himself up a little bit. And, he'd make a great vice president. He'd make a great president, too, either way. He's a good guy, and he's a hard worker. I'm impressed with his work ethic. This guy just doesn't stop. He's like Trump. He's a go-getter. But I don't think that the governor of California likes him a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he put out ads that calling uh, Ron DeSantis a dictator and spreading uh, COVID virus and all this. 
oh, well, what are you going to do? So, you know, this monkeypox thing, uh, I heard on the news that the conservative uh, minister or doctor or whatever said that what the government and CDC is suppressing is that this is largely among gay men, right? Correct. I mean, which is what I've been telling people all along, and they're they're all upset and worried about monkeypox virus, and um, I think there are several hundred cases now in the United States, so it's not like it's a huge epidemic. But, you know, the CDC website, they've got this whole blog about safer sex, social gatherings, and monkeypox, and uh, how a person can lower their, ri- their risk during sex. I got an idea. Don't yeah. Have, <laughs> don't have sex with another man. There, well... It's a good start there, Doc, yeah. I mean, look, I, you know, it just doesn't make any sense biologically to me, but what do I know? I only went to medical school. But you've been saying that uh, since day one when we started talking about monkeypox and, like, two cases were here. Oh, that, yeah. That it was pretty much uh, just for uh, the gay community right now. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you want to really read something ridiculous, uh, go to the – CDC website on safer sex, social gatherings, and monkeypox. I mean, their recommendations are, well, they're kind of crude, actually. <laughs> <laughs> some of them are really funny. We're not going to put them on the air because they are a little graphic in some cases, but would they, would yeah. they, they were funny. <laughs> we yeah, highly yeah. recommend you go read it if you're in, into laughing. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, let me give some of the less graphic. Oh, careful, Doc. <laughs> Limit your number of sex partners. Who goes out and has, well, I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe it's common in the gay community. I don't know. Yep. Uh, Have virtual sex. (laughs) This is just ridiculous. Any rate. Yeah, let's not go any further. (laughs) Yeah, let's not go any further there. He was reading some of the other ones to me off the air before we started. (laughs) Let's not go any further. I'm not going any further, but you know what? I'm not worried about monkey pox. Now, billy pox, that's another one. <laughs> that well, one I think, it does look nasty if you get it, though. I've seen some of the photographs of some of the patients. Oh, yeah. And uh, we just got a missive from our medical director at the hospital that we have to go into the room if any suspected monkey pox, fully gloved and gowned and masked and eye protection and all that. So... Apparently, the corporations and the healthcare industry are taking it seriously. Well, as long as it's not airborne. Well, I I think if you're close and somebody coughs on you and they're actively shedding virus, you could get it. But uh, it's not it's not something that's going to hang in the air like uh, like COVID does. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing that I wanted to touch on before we get too far along is, you know, I talked last week about how I was wiring up. Uh, another another circuitry for my air conditioning unit in my garage. So I get everything pulled back to the wall, Ken. There's, if, if you don't know what a conduit is, it's a, it's a pipe. It's just a, a hollow pipe, and it can be made of steel or it can be made of uh, PVC plastic. Uh, and so what you have to do now to meet code is you have to run your wire from the outlet back to the breaker box to your main panel in conduit. And so there was a conduit there that I pulled through and I got back to the wall and there's a little little elbow there and a junction. And I didn't look at it closely when I first started working. It goes into the wall above the panel, the, the, the breaker panel. Guess what? 
there's no conduit. Once they went inside the wall, these guys just left the wire. I mean, it, it's cabled. It's uh, in a flexible cable, you know, like a plastic covering over the wires, but it's it's certainly not code. So then I had to go back and run a whole nother line uh, of conduit and pull everything again. Oh, my God, Ken. I don't think I'm going to do this again. <laughs> it's, well, it's better than being hot in the garage all summer long. Yeah, if, especially if you're, you know, a, a, a do-it-yourselfer and a, a putzer like I am. So, so you were breaking, uh, you were blowing breakers. Yeah, I was blowing breakers because I, I hooked up two units, and uh, the, 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 the line I was on also had a refrigerator that we have in the garage and the garage door opener and lights and everything else, and so it kept kicking the breaker off. That ain't going to work. any rate, we'll fix it. All right, you get your air conditioning in by next week. It'll be done by next week, I promise you, and then you'll have uh, something to praise me for. (laughs) Okay, so now the patient anxiety, I'll talk to you a little bit about this before the show, and I wanted to touch on this, and I got a patient named Richard, and uh, he had an abdominal aortic aneurysm. What is that? Well, the aorta is the big blood vessel that runs from your heart and feeds uh, your body and it goes kind of makes an arch up in your chest and then goes down into your belly and then when it gets down into your pelvis it splits into the arteries that go into your legs and into your into your uh, rear pelvis area. But at any rate, uh, people who smoke have high blood pressure have have some unusual uh, inherited diseases like Marfan syndrome, can get aneurysms in their aorta. So this one patient of mine, Richard, he started coming to me four or five years ago, and, you know, I I diagnosed him. I said he he was having trouble with with his legs. They were hurting when he walked because he had obstruction in the uh, the aorta and down in the arteries in his legs because he was a smoker and didn't take care of his blood pressure and all that talked him into different things over the years, can never talk him into getting this aneurysm taken care of. You know why? He was scared. Well, guess what happened to him? God damn near died. He uh, had back and, and abdominal pain, severe, started throwing up blood and passed out. And his wife called the ambulance and they took him to the hospital and, uh, they diagnosed him at St. Pete General with this ruptured aneurysm. So what happens is the aorta can it can actually rupture. And if you're lucky, there's a membrane, um, kind of like a covering around the outside of the aorta that can trap the blood. And you may bleed into that, but at some point, hopefully, it'll tampen on, you know, it'll kind of compress itself off. Well, <clears throat> they tried to get him to one of the vascular surgeons here in, in the St. Pete Tampa Bay area. And nobody would take take him because they were busy with other things or their units were full or whatever. Well, they ended up flying him up to Shands, which is the teaching hospital at the University of Florida in Gainesville. You probably have heard of that, Ken. Mm-hmm. And he almost died, but they did repair him. <laughs> you know, but I mean, he was in the ICU for two weeks, and uh, now he's in rehab, and his vision's off, and. He's a little forgetful because he dropped his oxygen levels. You know, he, he was bleeding, so he was in shock. You know, he was like 60 over 40 blood pressure, 60 over 30. You can't live long like that. So what should he have done when you first diagnosed it? 
a stent or something? Or what what would you have done? Yes, we we do have stents now that you can put in. <clears throat> they look like a, a pair of pantyhose with long legs that you can actually put in through the catheter, through the artery itself without opening the belly up. Of course, he had to have his belly opened up because they had to clamp the aorta and he was on bypass and all that. And then they, they jump a graft. Uh, it's like a, a Dacron tube that goes from the upper aorta down to the lower aorta. And you have to reattach some of the arteries that feed the uh, organs in the, in the belly, you know, the small bowel and the colon and all that. <clears throat> so at any rate, he could have had, <clears throat> excuse me, he could have had that done uh, years ago. He could have had the so he could have had the stunt, the stunt put in years ago, and my yeah. guess is it would have been much cheaper than what he finally ended up having to go through. And he would have saved a few brain cells, too. Yeah. Wow. So listen to your doctor. Well, you know, I so saw I'm, I'm curious. Why are people afraid? Well, they're afraid that, that it's going to hurt, of course. They're afraid that they may not make it. They're afraid that there's something wrong with them, and they don't want— they don't want anything to be wrong with them. They're afraid of taking medications. I, I can't tell you the number of people I have to talk into taking medication. And uh, they say, well, I just don't like medicines. I don't trust medicines. Well, the Internet said it has all these side effects. And you hear this with the statins, you know, with Lipitor and, and Crestor and, and um, all the, you know what the statins are. They're for lowering your cholesterol. Right. And guess what the number one selling drug in the world is? I imagine a cholesterol drug. Yep, Lipitor. Yeah. Number one selling. You want to live longer? Get your cholesterol down. Get your blood pressure down. Take care of yourself. But uh, how do you reassure people that you're not there to do them harm? Well, like I tell people, can I say, look, try it. If you have side effects, we can stop it. This is not permanent. Uh, and, and I think it's important for people to remember that almost all medications are uh, something that can be adjusted, changed, stopped, or replaced with something else. I mean, there's some things you have to take, like your thyroid hormone, but that's really not a medication. That's kind of like a vitamin because you make thyroid hormone, and if you can't make it, you got to have it to live. So there are some things that you take that uh, are basically just what you already have inside of you and you're not making adequate levels of. But at any rate, <clears throat> this is a problem. This is a big problem. And, Are people and just in denial? I think there's there's a level of denial. There's a fear of medication. I had one guy this week. He said, Doc, I can't swallow a pill. He said, my kids laugh at me. You know, he's in his 60s and he can't swallow a pill. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I gave him some liquid medicine. We'll see what happens. Well, also there's that, I think, um, I feel okay, Doc. I can't be sick. Yeah, you get that a lot with high blood pressure. I don't feel anything. Well, when you start feeling things with high blood pressure, it's too late. <laughs> a heart attack or a stroke. <laughs> That's kind of where I was when I started coming to see you. Yeah. I was always, you know, I feel fine. I can do all this stuff. I'm not an old man yet. Well, sort of now. Well, I, you know, it doesn't even have necessarily, it doesn't have to uh, have anything to do with age. Uh, young people can get high blood pressure, and we're seeing an increased incidence of that with the uh, obesity and uh, all of the other risk factors that we have for high blood pressure and diabetes and high cholesterol. Uh, so 
but but there is a denial factor and there's this there's this thing of people saying i don't feel anything i don't feel bad well you don't have to feel bad to be sick you know i i I tell you you can have a pancreatic cancer and uh, that sucker can grow to the point of where you have no chance whatsoever of surviving and then you have symptoms so there are diseases that, that you can have that are not going to manifest in any physical uh, pain or discomfort or abnormalities until it's too late. Well, how do you find it? The blood test is that how you find something like that? Now, the uh, the abdominal aortic aneurysm is by uh, ultrasound, and we do that in the office. Ah. We do uh, carotid arteries, your arteries that go to your brain. We check those for blockages. We check your legs. We check your belly, and the government, uh, Medicare, says they will pay for. Uh, one abdominal ultrasound to look for an aneurysm if you have a history of smoking more than 100 days. Oh, I qualify. You qualify. I, <laughs> I think we did yours, didn't we? We did just the heart. We did. Well, get your butt back in there. <laughs> get the rest of it done. What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. Are you in denial? A little bit. Well, okay. It have know. been for years on a lot of things. Well, you know, this is why pathology is a good field. Oh, really? Nobody, nobody complains. Nobody talks back. Uh, you don't get any stupid questions. Nobody's afraid. It's too late. That's right. <laughs> it's too late. You're already Undertaker stiff. Too. Uh, the Undertaker, he's got the same uh, the same little uh, nice gig, you know. No, no customers complain. I thought about doing that. You should have. I, I really did. I thought seriously about it. It just got too creepy. Well, with your with your with your stature and your voice, you would have made a good one. I would have scared the heck out of everybody. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I don't even know what the schooling is. I guess you just regular college classes. I would imagine. For being well, you there. have to go to a special school, and they teach you, you know, anatomy and uh, some biochemistry because you have to use embalming fluids. And, mm. And cosmetics, so you have a cosmetology class because you got to make the bodies up, make them look good if you're going to have an open casket. And uh, so there's a number of things that that you have to learn how to do. It's it's really a, a, a multidisciplinary job. You have to know a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and uh, and you have to be a business person because most most uh, funeral homes are independently owned. Now, I've known a, I've known quite a few coroners in my life because I've been I worked in news for many many years, and dealt with them. They were always invited me over to watch an autopsy. Never took them up on it though. Well, if it's a fresh body, it's not too bad. But if it's something that's been around, no, know? I think these are pretty fresh. <laughs> the odor is no good, no good. But uh, the pathologists now the, that are in practice, they rarely do autopsies. They've got deaners. These are specialized people that will do an autopsy, get everything ready for them. Then they just come in and look at the body and look at the organ parts. And of course the, uh, the forensics are done by forensic pathologists, coroners, whatever you want to call them. And that's my, my nephew, Billy is, uh, he's the Kentucky state director, head, head forensic pathologist for Kentucky. My sister says he's better off with the dead than the living. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, it just, it fascinates me that he just enjoys so much uh, 
being, you know, grunging around in, in dead bodies. So God knows where, where they've been or how long they've been there. It just, it's fascinating. It's a mystery. Yeah, how people can enjoy that. But he does, and he loves it. Has he make a mistake? Oh, well. He's very good at it, you know. He's, he's the chief pathologist for the state of Kentucky. That's big deal. That's a big deal, yeah. I mean, there's only 50 chief pathologists in the country. Well, probably 51 or two if you count uh, Puerto Rico and Guam and the uh, American Samoas. <clears throat> but uh, it's really a fascinating phenomenon. At any rate, don't be scared of the doctor. This won't hurt. Come closer. <laughs> Hold still. <laughs> He's there to help. <laughs> I just want to make you feel better. So did you see this uh, this uh, inflation reduction bill or whatever they call this thing, the Inflation Reduction Act? Not sure did how you- it's going to do that, but maybe you can explain it to me. It's not. It, it basically, it's a, it's a pork barrel for the uh, green industry, and it's an attempt to cut uh, the Medicare drug cost and private insurance drug cost. But it's only going to affect about 15 or 20 drugs, and these are the high-priced drugs. One of them is Zeralto. Zeralto is one of the new uh, anticoagulants, uh, you know, anti-blood it keeps your blood from clotting, and you take that if you've had blood clots in your legs or your lungs or if you have atrial fibrillation and risk factors. That atrial fibrillation is when the top of the heart beats uh, three to 400 times a minute irregularly, so it just kind of quivers the, the two chambers at the top of the heart, the atria. And uh, what happens is that the blood can kind of eddy and pool in uh, little spaces like the appendage, which is a little hanging downy thing off of the left atrium and blood can get in there. And if it's not mixed up regularly, it'll clot. And then you can throw a clot off and it's in your brain. So we put people on this and it is expensive. Well, some of the other drugs that are highly expensive are going to be the biologics that I'm always talking about, the monoclonal antibodies. But this is really not going to affect uh, a, a great number of people. And it's not going to reduce the cost all that much. But another part of the bill is they're saying they're going to have a cap out of pocket of something like $2,000 per Medicare patient. And then I guess the government's going to kick in and take the rest of it. Uh, the, uh, the problem here is that 95% of the drugs on the market now are generic or almost as cheap as generics. And the patents on these uh, monoclonal antibodies, most of which are fairly new, some have been around for 20, 25 years, but most of them are popping up, you know, within the past 10 years. There's there's a, a, a patent on these things. And so what's going to happen is this bill is going to bump heads with the patent laws. And these companies are going to sue. So this will be tied up in court. And uh, the pharmacy benefit managers are the, they're the, uh, they're the bottleneck in the whole thing because the drug companies they sell their drugs not directly to you and me, my friend. They sell them to pharmacy benefit managers, you know, like, uh, uh, the, you, you know, your, your whatever insurance plan you're on, you have to go through your pharmacy benefit manager. So uh, you have to have a mail-in pharmacy that you're hooked up with for these long-term uh, 
drugs. So if you have to get a 90 day supply of your blood pressure medicine, you go through your, your mail order pharmacy, which is probably owned by your insurance company. And they have a pharmacy benefit manager and what he or she does, or the, the, the panels do is they negotiate with the drug companies to purchase things. And so let's say, uh, you want to take Jardians, but they don't have that on, on the list of drugs, but they have something else, uh, uh, Ozemptic or whatever. Well, that's what you're going to get, whether you like it or not, unless you want to go pay $2,000 a month for your Jardians. And so they also negotiate, Ken, with the pharmacies. So they'll go to CVS or Walgreens and say, well, we'll direct patients to you uh, and we'll supply you through our, our pharmacy uh, purchasing plan if you will give us a break and give us a, you know, some money back for the number of patients that we send you. So it's, it's a very complex and uh, uh, tortuous, and, and of course all of this came about because the federal government gets deeper and deeper involved. So the more they get involved in this, the more complex this becomes. And it's not going to save a whole lot of money. You know, you're talking $60, $70 billion. And to me, that's uh, that's not going to reduce the deficit by much, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, not at this point. No, I mean, you know, when you got a what, $30 trillion deficit and you're talking about pennies, come yeah. on. Yeah. This is just stupid. At any rate. The free market ultimately will take care of things, but the problem is people cannot abide uh, uh, the time it takes for the free market to shake things out. Same way with medicine, with with uh, with insurance, healthcare insurance. If you let the free market take care of it, over time it would work itself out. There would be people who would say, "Well, if he'll do the hernia operation for 500, and I'm slow, I'll do it for 400." <laughs> but that's not going to happen any rate. Then the other thing is, is the, the cinema, you know, the, the Senator from Arizona, she caved when she got her way and her way was that the uh, private equity cash recipients uh, will be allowed to be taxed at a capital gains rate, which is 20% rather than at an ordinary income rate, which is what 38% when you're making that kind of money. And you say, well, what is this? Well, what, what it is is it, these private equity companies, you know, these hedge fund companies, these uh, money management companies, the, the, the people that are actually at the head of the companies, they get a, uh, a bonus, if you want, or a percentage if the, if the fund makes money, and it may be delayed for a year or two or three or whatever uh, until the fund is, has made adequate amounts of money. And then they're taxed on that at uh, capital gains rate. Capital gains uh, is a, an asset that you hold for more than a year, and then you sell it. And if you do that, then the tax rate goes from ordinary income under a year to capital gains rate for over a year. And this is to encourage business people to uh, hold on to their investments and not to just trade in and out and in and out. So at any rate... <clears throat> She, uh, they, they, they were going to tax this money at the ordinary income tax rate. And, uh, of course, that was a big hullabaloo. And she said, well, I'm not going to vote for this as long as you have that in the bill. 
what this has to do with reducing inflation is, is way out of my league of understanding. <laughs> um, you know, it's like I went to sleep one day and I woke up on another planet the, the next morning. So guess where she gets a big chunk of her campaign funds from? Uh, hedge funds managers. Hedge funds. And so uh, uh, her her counterpart in, in this, uh, of course, is uh, not Manchin, but uh, what's his name? Oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the, who's the leader of the Democrats in the Senate? Schumer. Schumer. Schumer gets more than she does <laughs> <laughs> from the hedge funds. So that was a no-brainer for him, wasn't it? Yeah, that was an easy one. And so... Uh, this was going to put, I don't know, you know, maybe 60, 70, 80 billion back into the, into the government coffers. But no. Now, cinema votes for this. Manchin's voting for it because he got his pipeline and whatever else, and he yeah. can burn all. Mm. And uh, so everybody's happy now. And now the Republicans, I don't know, did they pass it yet on the Senate floor? I don't know what happened last night. Uh, last night I heard the, they, there were going to be two votes on it. The first one passed. I don't know about the second one, though. I know they had a voterama going on, and the Republicans were tacking on all kinds of uh, onerous things. But I don't know if they were going to have a, drop the nuclear bomb. And any rate, we'll see what happens there. And of course, we still have to see this go through the courts and work its way through. And uh, this is going to be a pork barrel for uh, the darlings in, in D.C. that are green people. And uh, of course, it's going to be a a boon for guys like me who buy an electric car that's expensive because I'll get another 7200 back in, in uh, incentives when I go to pay my taxes. So I guess I shouldn't complain. Yeah, you might want to be quiet, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, we, can, we can find out probably from the news in a couple of seconds here if that passed or not. So we're going to take a little news break here in just a second. Yeah. So don't go anywhere. Before oh, we my. do that, though, we have a question. Let's do it. Yes, this is uh, for our weekly prize of uh, two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. And the question always deals with something we just talked about in the last half hour. So if you've been with us for the entire half hour, you should have the answer to this question. What was, and first caller with the correct answer will win, what was the doc trying to wire up in the garage this weekend? Says he'll have her done by next weekend. What is he trying to wire up in the garage that he had to uh, pull some piping for? And the number to call is 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. First caller in with the correct answer wins. And again, the question is, what was the doc trying to wire up this weekend in the garage? All right, back in a minute, Doc. I'll be right back, and uh, I promise I'll have it wired up by next week. <laughs> All right, very good. All right, buddy. Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Four more ships carrying agricultural cargo held up by the war in Ukraine have received authorization to leave the country's Black Sea ports. The body overseeing an international deal intended to get 20 million tons of grain out of Ukraine to feed people in Africa, the Middle East, and parts of Asia. Says the loaded vessels are expected to leave port as early as tomorrow. Elsewhere, Russian forces have begun an assault on two key cities in Ukraine's eastern Donetsk region. They also kept up rocketing and shelling attacks yesterday on other Ukrainian cities, including one close to Europe's largest nuclear power plant. 
growing number of people were injured. Colombia's first leftist president is in office today, marking a turning point in the South American nation's history. Senator Gustavo Petro is a former member of the notorious M-19 guerrilla group. This is SRN News. AM860, The Answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com on 100.3 FM. W229DJ Deneen. By downloading The Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare Clinic, offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727 384 6411-727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Mostly cloudy today with a thunderstorm in the afternoon and a high of 94. Partly cloudy tonight with a low 78. Intervals of clouds and sunshine tomorrow with an afternoon thunderstorm and a high of 93. Plan with confidence. Download the redesigned AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back with a little anxiety music for those of you who are afraid of medications and (laughs) (laughs) blood pressure, but don't mind a cigarette every now and then. (laughs) We hope this soothes you, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm picking on Ken again. All right, so this this is, you can't make this stuff up, Ken. This is is honest to God. This is out of the Australian news agency. Uh, Snickers fans are threatening to boycott the chocolate bar after its parent company, Mars Wrigley, apologized to China for calling Taiwan an independent country in a recent new product promotion. (laughs) And so um, the Chinese got all all upset, and and Weibo, uh, which is uh, the social media that I guess the communist Chinese love, uh, they 
thousands of people, I mean, remember this is a country of 1.4 billion, and thousands of people were upset and uh, they got mad at the South Korean boy band BTS, who was also featured in the promotion. And so they're saying, we're not going to listen to your music. We're not going to let you sell it in China. So I guess Mars uh, Wrigley apologized to the Chinese. And uh, they said, well, that's not good enough because you not only have to apologize, you have to say one China and Taiwan is part of China. So now the conservative uh, candy bar eaters who love Snickers, <laughs> which is me, by the way, we're going to boycott Snickers. There you go. And some of their other, you know, some of my favorite candy bars are Snickers, Twix, and M&Ms. And, uh, oh, my gosh, how can I do that, Ken? I don't know if I can actually give that up. Well, why I mean, should you? Why, why would you boycott? It's just Chinese that are boycotting, right? No, no. The, the, the reaction is that China said. Yeah, is, is, is here because China said, you better apologize, Mars Wrigley. And they said, okay, we'll apologize. And we, you know, we didn't mean to say Taiwan was an independent country. And so now all the conservative snicker bars eaters are going, you wimps, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're backing down to the Chinese. Really? That's ridiculous. Well, that's the way it is, my friend. Well, buy two then. Buy, well, go out and quickly, I don't know if the... Prices are going to go up or down. Probably down if there's a boycott, I would think. You might want to wait a few weeks. <laughs> get a better deal on your Snickers? Yeah, get a better deal. You know, <laughs> Instead of 75 cents, it'll be 72 cents. And that's the way it is. And, and, and also, did you hear that there's a, a tiff going on with the Palestinians and the, uh, and the Israelis? And the Israelis, I think, have shelled and, and strafed and killed about 35 Palestinians mostly terrorists, uh, or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but, of course, the, the everyday Palestinians are not happy, and their lives are disrupted. You, know, you can't go out of your house, and uh, they feel like they're in a war zone, which, by the way, they are. Well, the Israelis, I think they said they took out the entire leadership of the Islamic Jihad. Good. Yeah. Doesn't hurt my feelings. No, me neither. <laughs> and I think the... Uh, the uh, Palestinians fired a couple hundred rockets into Jerusalem, but uh, the Israeli Iron Shield or Iron Fist or whatever they call it got most of them. Yep, all but two. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. At any rate, you got to give it to the Israelis. They're pretty smart people. More PhDs per capita than any country on earth. No they're, kidding. They're, huh? they're the most highly educated people on earth now. But the Dutch are still the tallest. And their spy agency is number one. Mm-hmm. We probably taught them everything they know. No, wait a minute. They probably taught They're us. They're probably t teaching us a few things these days, yeah. So what do you think about Pelosi's trip uh, to Taiwan and South Korea and Japan? Do you? And I wonder why she did it at this point in time when her husband's back here having legal troubles. Do you think uh, a distraction? Do you think it's coincidental? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she why she made that whole trip. I, you know, I have no idea, and uh, she's not running for president, and she's not negotiating for the country. I mean, uh, Speaker well, of the House just, doesn't do that. No, that's the president's job. Yeah, he's he in charge of foreign affairs. That's Secretary foreign of State. Policy. That's got nothing to do with her. So I don't know what she was doing. 
nobody knows what she was doing. But one thing we know for sure is that President Yoon, the president of South Korea, he wouldn't meet her. Did you know that? No, I didn't hear that. <laughs> he snubbed her. And so I think she met with their with their parliamentary or president or their speaker of their house or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's an equivalent. So, And so he's, it was an unfortunate absence, but he had a, a – a pre uh, prior engagement he couldn't make it so but the pelosi met south korean national assembly speaker kim jin pyo jin pyo and other senior members of parliament last week so she got to at least say hi to her cohorts there uh, what about japan any troubles in japan no i think they were kind of happy to see her but i can't remember but when Pelosi last visited South Korea in 2015, she met with then president of Korea, Park, Bak Park. We call it Park, and, but it's Bak if you pronounce it in Korean. But to the English who heard that first, it sounded like Park. So Bak Chung Hee was the was the uh, dictator who overthrew Sigmund Rhee, the socialist idiot that was in charge of uh, South Korea after the Korean War, and Bak Chung Hee made him made him uh, come out of the 19th century and pushed him into what is now the one of the premier countries of the world, uh, the really advanced 21st century. Medicine, technology, everything, any rate. So that's the story there. So what's going on with her husband? I heard that he was, uh, he also had drugs in his system. Did you hear that? That I haven't heard yet. No, I heard about the DUI, but not the drugs. Yeah, I heard that. that uh, what kind? I, somebody said cocaine. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But uh, really? I don't know that old goat would be doing cocaine at, at this age and stage. You should be doing Percocet and beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cocaine will give you a heart attack. You know, you want to slow down. You don't want to speed up. Maybe he was using it to stay awake. I don't know. You know, it's a little bit of a. It, well, it is. A, you know. A, an upper cocaine's an upper so at any rate and then uh the the chinese news uh is is all up in arms because of pelosi's visit to taiwan and the chinese communist party you know they're flying all these threatening missions and firing rockets over taiwan and uh, the white house summons the chinese ambassador uh to tell him that they strongly condemn provocations by the Chinese Communist Party of firing over Taiwan. <laughs> and I'm sure the Chinese ambassador was was very upset and ran home and told President Xi not to do that anymore. But well, once they told her she couldn't come, she had to go. Well, yeah. Once they made a big deal out of it, she, she couldn't back down. But she, remember last weekend she was going to back down. The White House almost had her talked out of it. And then I guess uh, some of the, her cohorts said, no, you can't do that. You don't think she's going to run for president, do you? She's too old. I'm, what, on the mummy ticket? What? <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the Undertaker ticket? <laughs> I mean, my God, the woman is ancient. Yeah, she's too old to be president. She's probably got more plastic in her than she has real parts now. <laughs> so... The Chinese uh, are roundly condemning the United States, and they're saying that uh, 
that our allies are not with us and that we've received limited endorsement from allies on the groundless accusations against China on Taiwan Strait tension, proving one China policy principle is a strong international consensus. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm sure the majority of countries in the world uh, are for a one China policy. And I think Jimmy Carter is the one who, who said we're no longer going to rec recognize Taiwan as an independent country, but we would recognize China. Do I have that right historically? I think I'm not sure. Was it? I thought it was Nixon, but it may not go back that far. I think Nixon opened it up, and then he probably had that policy in mind, and then and then he had to resign because because he was nosy about what the Democrats were doing. All he had to do was ask any hippie on the street, and they would have told him. But you know, McGovern, uh, peace and love, and all that. Yeah. Well, he won an alliance slide. He didn't have to do any of that. So there you go. And I don't think I don't think um, Ford had time to do anything, so it must have been either Jimmy or. Well, Ford spent most of his time vetoing the Democrats' uh, bills that were coming to his desk, and actually, the, the economy was starting to turn around a little bit. But uh, then Carter, he didn't really know exactly what to do. But he did appoint Volcker as the chairman of the Fed, who did know what to do. So. And so he did know what to do in that respect because Volcker ended up raising interest rates into the nosebleed uh, area, and that ended the uh, stagflation and uh, got us out of the the great greatest recession of my lifetime, which was in the 1970s. It made the uh, 2000 recession, 2007 recession uh, look minor. I mean, there were people on the street hungry, mm. and I don't mean hungry because they were drunk and they didn't know where to go to get food, only booze. I mean, people didn't have money. I didn't have money. Were jobs scarce? Yeah. Yeah? I don't remember that much about that. I was a teenager back then, so. It was it was a tough time. You know, I asked my dad. I said, Dad, how bad is it for you? And he said, Billy, I'm accepting uh tomatoes and corn and uh, people are offering to pay me with anything but cash because they're they can't afford me and really he was, he was bartering out huh wow yeah most of the time he just said keep it it's you know i'll just take care of you but uh it, it was a tough time and uh, you know that's when i started medical school was in the 70s and and my dad he said i can pay your tuition but that's it and tuition wasn't that much when I started. It was like fifteen hundred. I think when I graduated, it was twenty five hundred. But I had my own house. I had a kid to take care of, and so I had to take out loans. And uh, you know, I, I think I borrowed ten thousand from the local bank. And then I got a uh, when I got to my sophomore year, I got a, a, a public health service loan. And of course, that's like a military loan. You got to go pay it back afterwards, either in time or money. But it's it was a fascinating time in, in our history, and uh, it, it's it's a reference point for uh, for inflation, uh, for stagflation. And remember, I talked about stagflation last fall, and I said we're headed into a stagflationary period, which is what a lot of the economists are, are now saying. Uh, and I, I don't know how bad it's going to be. I don't think it'll be as bad as in the 1970s. Well, stagflation is, is considered what, high interest rates and high inflation? It's it's where there's a decrease in production and high uh, cost of goods. So you have inflation, 
and you have a stagnant uh, job market. Now, the president's saying, well, we've got a good job market. It's growing strongly. Well, I mean, if you look at it in terms of, yeah, uh, half the jobs went away during the pandemic, and now they're starting to come back, I guess it is a good growth market for jobs. But if you look at it in terms of where the job market was in 2018, 2019, I'm not sure that you can make that argument. Uh, and that's not to say that we're not adding jobs, but I don't know if we're adding them as fast as we should. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see. And interest rates are going up, Ken. They're going up to try to stop the inflationary spiral. And the way that works is if you raise interest rates, then uh, the cost of, of buying things goes up, like a house or a car or whatever. And that will slow down the demand, uh, which will slow down the price raise uh, hikes, you know, supply and demand. So if there's not enough of the supply and there's too much demand, then the supplier is going to say, well, if I can get $10 instead of 5 why don't I do that? And that inflates the cost. So like eggs, I think you could go out to Sam's Club and get two of those 18-egg uh, plastic containers. And I think uh, two years ago, it was like three or four bucks, and now it's up to $12. $12 in, in, in uh, what, a year and a half? I mean, that that's unbelievable. That's crazy, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen prices rise this fast. Maybe in the, in the late 70s, things really uh, jumped, but... Uh, this is pretty. This is pretty, uh, pretty significant. This is not not. This is not anything we should take lightly. And uh, and the Democrats, the left wing Democrats, are saying, well, this is just the growing pains of getting off of fossil fuel and getting on to renewable energy source. Well, I mean, you know, could have had nuclear energy if we just listened to Eisenhower back in the fifties. Any rate, so uh, in the meantime, uh, you can starve. Well, I don't know that there's a whole lot of starvation in the country now, but you get my metaphor. Yeah. And, but back uh, in the 70s, it was real, apparently. It was real. It was real. There were hungry people. There was a project, Ken, uh, in 73 when this whole thing really fell apart back then. They're, they were building uh, a luxury uh, condominium building right on the edge of, of Cherokee Park, close to where I lived. And I think it was going to have 36 units, and it wasn't a huge project, but you know, it was it was a nice upscale project. I drove by there one day, and there were people pouring concrete and working. I came by the next day, there was nothing there. Guess what? There was nothing there for a decade. It took over a decade for that to come back. <laughs> wow, a, a decade. And uh, this was in Louisville, uh, which was, you know, hit as as hard as any other big city by by the recession in the 70s but it fascinated me to no end that and and those were jobs i mean those were paying jobs the, the concrete uh carpenters plumbers electrician good, good paying jobs yeah yeah good paying jobs workmen gone gone for a decade gone for a whole decade wow but what are you going to do uh and part of that was because of our dependence on foreign oil. Part of that was because of the uh, uh, expansionary, inflationary practices of the Democrats and the Great Society in the 1960s, 
the massive growth in welfare spending. Uh, the uh, Medicare and Medicaid came in. Uh, Social Security was increased. And, and I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but I'm just saying that once you get the government involved, it's going to change the whole complexion. And they think they can control everything. They cannot, Ken. They cannot do it. They're just not capable. Nobody is. I mean, you know, you're talking about trying to uh, herd an elephant around. That's no easy task. And I guess if you get them young enough and you get them to, to fear you, which is what the Democrats would like, they'd like all the young people to be uh, lockstepped into the socio-fascist mold that they have envisioned for us all where they can fly around in their jet planes and their limos, and we have to take uh, the city bus. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's no city bus that goes from my house up to my office, so what do I do? I don't know. Well, someday it's all going to come crashing down on us, who's ever uh, unfortunate yeah. to be living in the country at the time. I think you and I will probably be gone by then. But I think so, and I, I surely hope that we can – continue on to be the great power that we are because there's just no country like this and there never has been in the history uh, of the world. Uh, I, I don't understand the, the, uh, the hatred of uh, the country by people like my sisters. Why do they hate us so much? And they think that we're evil because we had slavery. They think we're evil because we don't have socialized medicine. They think we're evil because we're not moving off of fossil fuel fast enough and anybody who says anything uh, about global warming being tied to the tilt of the earth's axis or anything else is uh, is somebody who should be hung in, <laughs> in a public place and, and and you say okay well where's your studies where's your evidence well i can just look around and see well no you can't you can't just look at something and say i know what the you know i know what's happening here you know, I know monkeypox is caused by uh, monkeys. It doesn't have anything to do with humans. I mean, show us what? the data. That's right. Show us the data. Where's the data? Show me the data. That's all I want to know is show me the studies. My mind is open, but you've got to show me the data. And if any scientist says, well, the tilt of the Earth's axis uh, influences ice ages, like I talked about last week, the press isn't going to play that. But it's absolutely true. <laughs> when press is not going to air no. that. And you're not going to get on Nat Geo with that. And you're not going to get on any any uh, animal planet shows or any anything that has to do with nature because that's not in their, their uh, dialogue. That's not in their mindset. That's not in their philosophy or their theology or whatever it is. And I mean, this is stupid. It's, it, look, Ken, look. At the beginning of the 14th century, people thought that if you had a plague come along, it was because you were evil people. And then after the Black Plague swept through Europe, well, the whole world basically, and it killed the priests and nuns, good people, bad people, uh, uh, the clergy, the monarchy, the peon workers, the kids started saying, wait a minute, why would God punish Sister Mary? Hey, Doc. Well, you know, come on, what's this all about? And they, Doc? And, yeah. Got 10 seconds. Say goodbye. I lost track of time, oh, buddy. Goodbye. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> I'm Dr. Bill. Ah! Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. 
Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at cancareclinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.